Welcome to The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest. Hello, everybody. As you heard, you're in the family room. I'm uh, John Gordon, and I'm here with co-hosts Mari Cleveland and Craig Meeswell. <laughs> What's your name <laughs> over there? <laughs> We're going to cut that out. <clears throat> hey, everybody. Uh, as you heard, this is the family room. Welcome to the family room. I'm John Gordon, and I'm here with co-hosts Mari Cleveland and Craig Wiesmeyer. How are you guys? Doing great. Yeah, fantastic. It was a nice Thanksgiving. How about yours? Excellent. Always good. Lots of family stuff. <clears throat> a little bit of food. A little bit of family room time. A little family room time, yes. Oh, so, but were there any um, interesting conversations in your family room? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a pretty tame one. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of, we had tame too. And what's interesting is I heard from a girlfriend who was heading into a situation. She was a little concerned about it. And I told her to invite the Holy Spirit into her family room. And she told me it was the best Thanksgiving she ever had. Wow. Isn't that cool? Wow, there That's you go. amazing, yeah. It's like the Holy Spirit knows what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, now those can be a little dicey at Thanksgiving uh-huh. because you have different people you're not with very often. And you can see, it's been my family anyway, the kids, when you get these political conversations going on, oh, yeah. they glaze over and disappear and they're watching TV or whatever it is. And um, everything was calm, though. There was no um, fights. There was no major debates. So it was all good. That is good. We, I was surprised. Our daughter, Susanna, is she... It wasn't, it wasn't during Thanksgiving. It was like one of the breakfasts before. And she went down a path about detachment and oh. shared this prayer of detachment she prays. I'm like, wow, I'm edified. Nice. It was very good. That's so cool. She's you can start kid. learning things from your yeah, kids. She's like her mom. <laughs> <laughs> she took after her barb, huh? Yeah. Hey, look, before we get too far down this path, let's start with a prayer. Craig, you want to, would you lead us off? I'd love prayer, to. Thanks. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the spirit of thankfulness, I thank you for the gifts you've given all of us, all of those that are in our audience, all of those here in the studio. You've blessed us with so many things that oftentimes we forget. So hopefully during this last week, we were able to remember those things. We are able to recall all your blessings on all of us. I ask you to be with us on this show. I ask you to open up our hearts to your Holy Spirit. Help us to enliven that spirit, to speak truth, to speak life, to speak hope, and to bring about your will in this world today. And I just pray all this in Jesus' name through Mary's intercession and the intercession of St. John Paul II. Amen. 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 That was beautiful. Thank you. So if you've been listening to The Family Room, if you've joined us here in The Family Room very often, you know that we've had some amazing guests on for the last several months. And we are so thankful for those guests. They've really, um, just like John's daughter did, they've really edified us over the last several months. And if uh, you're like most adults, I think just, well, can we say we're adults? I guess we're adults. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody can see us. I think it's safe to say that. Okay. So if you're like us, it's... um, it's really helpful to dig deeper. You know, adults really love to make sure that what we're talking about is relevant and applicable. I say that just because I teach adults all the time. 
And that's what they say. We want it relevant and we want it applicable. And so what what Craig and John and I thought might be helpful for us and maybe even for those of you out there listening is uh, to think about a couple of the shows we've recently had and say, how can we apply what they shared to our lives? Because we just got to touch on the surface when they shared with us. And there's so much more. There's so much richness and depth. And is there anything that God wanted to use in what they shared with us that we could start to apply to our lives? Right. So we're going to be kind of vulnerable, like our guests were very vulnerable. We're going to be kind of vulnerable and we're going to talk a bit about some of what we learned from them and what we might want to apply um, or maybe what we have applied in our lives based on what we learned from them and, um, you know, what we're struggling with and how their wisdom is helping helping us with that. And it's funny you use the word uh, edify. And I've said so many times when we've spoken after these shows, I feel more challenged than I do anything else because um, you think you're doing this amazing job all the time because you can check the boxes. Um, and then you find out when you listen to people that are living lives that are um, really glorifying God. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, okay, I got, I've got plenty of work to do in my <laughs> own life. I thought I was doing really, really well. And then you hear some really basic things that you're like, I've missed that point. Yeah, you find out that, you know, you've been swinging like the big leagues and you're Barely still hit it off a tee. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're playing tee ball. Exactly. Coach pitch. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's funny. Uh, well, the other thing, Mari, I was thinking about that, that selfishly I think is really good is that um, when we have guests and they are like on it and they're going and like it's not, you're almost afraid to say too much to interrupt mm. all the good stuff that they're going to say right. Right, or that they are saying. So this is kind of a cool opportunity for us to even talk about some things or make comments that maybe we were careful just to let them have their time, but might be good for us to share too. So, yeah. Thanks, thanks for setting it up. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, so unpacking some things yeah. even even further. That's great. So for the first half uh, part half of our show today, what we'd like to do is dig a little deeper into our first guest. Our first guest that we had with us um, back in September was Dr. Edward Sri, and he was talking to us about his new book out called "The Art of Living: The Cardinal Virtues and the Freedom to Love." And as you know, as we all discovered, those virtues are really deep. Saint Saint um, Thomas Aquinas did a lot of work on those. And that's what a lot of um, Dr. Sri's work is on. He did a lot of work on studying St. Thomas Aquinas. And so as we've each dug deeper into this book, there is really so much. And it's interesting to to recognize that um, these, you know, if you think about virtues, it's just something, oh, yeah, the virtues, vices, we've heard that before. But Craig, oftentimes you you share with us here on, on the family room, you talk about the armor of God from Ephesians 6, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how we're supposed to be really um, protected by by the armor of God. We've got the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, uh, which is the word of God. And what I love about the way that Dr. Sri outlined the virtues, it also made me think of armor also, because he talked about how these virtues are ways to help us in the daily spiritual battle that we're in. And so sometimes that spiritual battle is not just coming at us from the outside, like when we put on Christ in the armor of God, all the things that are coming at us, like the flaming darts, the flaming arrows of the evil one, right? But sometimes it's because we have our own disordered selves. You know, we've got, we're, the spiritual battle is within us. And I was very convicted of that as I kept on reading back through this book. And, you yeah. know, there's some of this, I'm going to share my thoughts and some of it I'm taking to confession, just <laughs> <Right> honestly. <now. laughs> I'm going to have a much richer reconciliation because of one of some of the things 
things I read in here. Well, it's interesting, too, because one of his comments in his book, he made a comparison between people that are truly virtuous mm -hmm. versus those who are trying to be virtuous, meaning, and I believe it was a story of, you know, the, the, the lost, um, maybe the lost wallet, and one person mm -hmm. picks oh, yeah. it up and automatically goes, I need to return this. And another person says, well, they lost it. Nobody's around. Maybe I should keep it. Maybe I shouldn't. And he was making the comparison that if you're truly living in those virtues, you don't have to have that internal debate. And I think I got that right. Yeah. But you're, you're living it out. And it's just like, this is not right. This is wrong. Or this is what I should be doing. You automatically do it. Right. You know, and it, I think it was that's a great analogy. Thanks for reminding us of that one. The other thing about it, I think, is in today's uh, today's world, we're told you be you. Everybody's everybody's got their own truth. Uh, follow your follow your feelings. Follow your emotions. Follow your your own who you are. Right. And on the outside, that kind of sounds okay. Yeah, you be you. Be true to yourself until you realize that we're in a fallen world and we are fallen individuals because of original sin. So, like you just said, Craig, the original because of the original sin part of it, us we're gonna go. Huh? Nobody saw us, so nobody saw me pick. What could I buy with the money in this sure. wallet, right? And one of the things that he says in his book that I think is so important for us to remember is because of original sin, because of that initial wounding, our um our intel. Our intellect is clouded, so we don't see truth easily or clearly. Our will is weak, so we don't choose what is good very easily. And our passions are no longer properly ordered. So our appetites, emotions, and desires lead us in so many different directions. And so you can't just, oh, follow your feelings, follow your thoughts, because they're not ordered. And God wants to heal those. And when he does heal those, then we do grow in virtue. So become that person, Craig, that you just mentioned, who says immediately and who knows immediately Yes, I've got to return this. And immediately that's the first thought they have. Who can I, who's the owner and how can I find the owner of this wallet? Well, I think it's interesting too, because number one, we don't belong to ourselves. Yeah. We, live, we live in this uh, fallacy that we belong to ourselves, but as scripture tells us, we were purchased by Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting too, with, with what you were talking about, and I think it's in Romans one, yes. you know, it talks all about the creature, um, Edifying itself right. and then turning its back on the creator, yep. which then creates us. Men gave themselves over for lust for each other, women for disordered sex. What I mean, mm -hmm. you look and you say, well, that's pretty much where we're living. And to your point, if I'm making the decision that I've got it figured out, I'm going to live my life. I mean, I can tell you again, that's what we're doing with these books. I can look and say, I've lived my life in a lot of my own marriage mm -hmm. inappropriately. I've lived my life for myself, even though I think I'm doing it for my wife mm -hmm. or my kids, and a lot of it's selfish, and it's for me. Yeah. It's, I think when, when you said um, the example with the wallet, um, we talk about reflex versus reflection. Mm -hmm. And, and to, to practice the virtues to the point that they become a reflex. Like, you know, when the doctor hits your knee, you kick out. You, you can't stop it. You can concentrate on some, but it's versus reflection. Hmm, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? Um, I think where Dr. Sri leads us is like, practicing these things and doing the things so it becomes a reflex mm -hmm. uh, because to the my truth or you be you i'll be me we know to take something as good as scripture and absent an authority individuals well-meaning individuals will do disastrous things with scripture Forget about Satan also using it to tempt Jesus. Yeah. Let's set that one aside for a minute. <laughs> We're not going to go there. Uh, not yet. But um, but I think I think 
those are two like powerful, powerful points in, mm-hmm. in summarizing what uh, Dr. Sri said. Thank yeah, definitely. That. Yeah. And so, so he, he, as to make it a habit, the only way that you can become reflexive about it and make it a habit is by practicing it, um, po- positively practicing it. And one of the things that I, that I loved about it is he talked about when you practice these virtues that, that oppose the vices that we're all recognizing that we have, you can then overcome the weaknesses that prevent you from giving of the best of yourself in your relationships. Um, so what a great reason to want to do that is to be able to offer the best of who you are to other people or the best, of, the best of who God created you to be, I guess is the better way to say that. Yeah, no, I think we, um, Jen and I have talked about it in business. You try to be the best you can for your employer, or even if you own your own company, um, physical fitness, you try to be the best you can be. But so often we fall short of trying to be the best people we can be. I mean, Mm -hmm. we think we are Mm -hmm. until we talk about sacrificial love, until we talk about, again, these virtues. Again, I listened to this multiple times and it's like, okay, I'm not doing any of this stuff, even though you even though you really think you are. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just um, it's eye opening to know how how much we work we have to do, but yet how much God is involved in that work that it's up to him to keep drawing us to those points of drawing it out. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Sri outlines the four cardinal virtues. He kind of explains the four cardinal virtues and then tells us all about all these sub virtues and vices and sub vices. It's very uh, deep and rich. So we thought we might break open a few of the the cardinal virtues or at least something that intrigued each of us about them. Right. So the cardinal virtues, the four cardinal virtues that work together for us are prudence, which is also practical wisdom, fortitude, which sometimes people know that as courage, temperance, and justice. So I think, Craig, you had some thoughts on prudence. Well, yeah, I mean, we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, starting off with prudence, it's, you know, the virtue that directs all of the virtues, otherwise known as the mother of all virtues. Um, And it really talks about a well-ordered reason applied to action. Not only what to do, but also how and when to do it. Mm. And, uh, where that chapter hit me in particular led to chapter 10 on anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because John and I in the exact same week were praying about something and the exact same scripture came up and it came up in another reading I was doing. And it was um, Matthew six twenty five to 34 that really it, it, it doesn't say try not to be anxious. It doesn't say, you know, you don't have to be anxious. Uh, Christ said very specifically, do not be anxious. Mm -hmm. And what strikes me in this, and, you know, look, we've all had the conversation, anxiety is running wild um, in our society, especially with our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it hits us as adults, but I think it hits our kids even more so. And when you start to look at what is anxiety, you know, prudence is the ability to look at a situation, make right judgment and say, okay, here's the actions I need to take. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Unfortunately, I think, when we aren't grounded in God and in scripture, understanding what God's teaching us or telling us, it's very easy to go down a path of worry and anxiety. Okay, this vaccine came out. We don't know enough about it. What are we going to do? If I take it, what happens? If I don't take it, what happens? This person's getting elected or whatever it is. And, you know, I can catch myself running down this spiral. Mm -hmm. And again, God gave me that particular scripture. Mm-hmm. At a point in time in my life when he was saying, here it is. And it can be my kids. You know, my son's going off to college. We can debate, well, what college should he go to based on these hundred different things? And, you know, my daughter's going through this in school, or maybe Kelly and I are going through some things. And 
what it really breaks down to is, <laughs> I laugh because I remember God telling me specifically in my prayer, I haven't given up my job yet. <laughs> I'm still God. <laughs> and it's a reminder to me that um, I can worry and be anxious all I want because I'm anxious about things that have not happened yet. Mm -hmm. And God's saying, well, I haven't prepared you for any of that yet. You got to deal with what's going on right now today. And scripture continues to bring us back to that again, Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Look at Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Mm -hmm. It talks about praying always. It talks about not being anxious. Scripture brings me back to the practicality of my anxiety over anything is because I have my own vision. Mm -hmm. I want what I want when I want it. And at the same time, I'm kind of saying, you know, God, I got a better version and vision for my life than you do. Mm -hmm. And God says, great, go for it. And that's what my anxiety builds because I've lost all control in something I think I am controlling. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are just tuning in, you are listening to The Family Room. And so we welcome you here into The Family Room on AM 1160, The Quest, Atlantic Catholic Radio. Your Atlantic Catholic Radio. So that was awesome. Well, well, I envision God having a different response. Like when you say, I got this to him, he's like, like, well, hey, go ahead. I think he sits back and says, tells, tells the other angels, watch this. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I think it's 100% right because this is not the first time he's brought it up, but it's always, do you trust me? Yes. You know, whether it's a, a surgery, whether it's a job change, whether it's whatever. And the anxiety is always, I don't know the outcome, but then if in prudence sake, I look backwards and I say, well, where has God been in all those other times in my life? I can't tell you a time when God hasn't shown up. Yeah. You know, may not have the event may not have been what I wanted and the outcome not what I wanted, mm -hmm. but I can tell you God showed up every single time and things turned out better than I thought they would and yeah. better than frankly they would have if I was in control. So it's interesting as you kind of circle that back around to prudence cuz God says God also says ask for wisdom. You know, in in scripture he says just if you want wisdom in anything just ask, ask. for it and that comes directly from him. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are really smart, but they're not very wise, you know, because wisdom really does come from God. And like you said, you're not listening to him when you're all anxious. 100%. Uh, you're yeah. mad, you're angry, you're, you're agitated. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so that was prudence. So, um, so I delved into the virtue of fortitude, which is also known as courage. And the ca uh, catechism... 1808 says that fortitude ensures firmness in difficulties and constancy in pursuit of the good. It strengthens the resolve to resist temptation and to overcome obstacles in the moral life. So interesting looking at that, that virtue of fortitude, um, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about two parts of it. There's the endurance part of it. So it's bearing all those things that are difficult to bear and just being very, um, patient, persevering, constant in the way you do that. But then he also used another word called attack. Um, and he said that's the other side of it as well. And the attack is really taking action, um, making sure that you're taking action when you need to. And so those, those that's one of the sub-virtues of fortitude. And I really practice saying this word. I don't know if I'm going to say it right. But um, it's, it's basically being magnanimous, but the word is magnanimity. Mag 
oh man, <laughs> magnanimity. That's it. Yeah, magnanimity. Magnanimity. Thank you. Awesome, John. Magnanimity. Yeah, magnanimity, um, which is also known as greatness of the soul, and yeah. that we're yeah. all called to greatness, yes. right? You know, and I think we all have that in our hearts. We have in our hearts that we want to be, we want to do great things for God. That's exactly what it is. And so you think of these great saints like St. John Paul II, who we asked to pray for us at the beginning of this. You think about St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And um, these are people who did great things for God. They had great Magnum, magnanimity. <laughs> so, the big M. Let's just say they had the big they M. They had the big M. They had the big M. But what was interesting about that in in this one to me was the fact that you know what are the things that sometimes get in the way of that? Right. We want to do great things for God, so we can either fall on one side or the other. We can either fall on the side where we're we don't have enough courage to step out and do great things, and that's when we we become kind of mediocre, like it says in scripture when we become um, lukewarm, lukewarm, right? Yeah, he, Jesus said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because you're so lukewarm. So that's one side of it. But then the other side of it is you are striving so hard and you're working so hard that it becomes you're not working to glorify God and to do God's will, but you start to work to earn the praise of men. Okay, raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. <laughs> okay, I'm in the Nobody studio. I, um, I'd like to think that I'm kind of inclusive and I work for the praise of men and women. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But I mean, that's what happens, right? We grow up in these societies yeah. where we're, you know, it's what you do is what you achieve. It's, we all come from families where I'm sure we were encouraged to do our very best. And so we do it based on what society says is the very best. And so it's really fascinating when he talks about, he said, there's actually um, what goes against this. What are the vices that is the opposite of this is vanity. And I, I always thought about vanity as being like looking in the mirror all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but he's, he really defines it more of it's seeking praise um, from men and it's seeking, he said, there's some symptoms, either you're seeking praise for something that's not truly praiseworthy. Mm. Mm. So all those things that sometimes, okay. So what's truly praiseworthy, you know, it's great to make good grades. It's great to do well in sports, but is that truly what God cares about? I don't, I don't know. Is it better maybe to be a really good teammate or um, what are you, what, what's going on? So where are we maybe falling into that? And then he also talks about um, it's sinful to seek glory from people whose judgment is not sound. And this one really hit me. And I think the reason that this really made me think so much is because social media and what's happened with social media th these days. And I don't know if you guys watched one of those um, shows that talked about the creators of some of the Facebook pages and things like that and Instagram. Yep. And the guy was talking about the guy who created the like button, you know, the like button. Mm -hmm. He almost had tears in his eyes when he was describing that he created that. And they created that like button more to like encourage people. But instead, people got addicted to the like button. And you don't even know who it is who's saying like to all your stuff, but you're looking to see how many likes you got. Like right? Me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's. Well, we, we won't go there now, but that opens up just a completely different conversation, right? Like me, and it's that angst, that ache we have to be 
fulfilled and we're going to the wrong place. Right. Just going wrong. Yeah. Well, and so that's what vice does, right? So vice, whether it's vanity or whatever, or the anxiety that gets in the way, it takes us down the wrong path and not where God wants us to go. So ultimately, one of the things that I, I really appreciate about what Dr. Sri says is if you find yourself that you're starting to seek the approval of men and women, um, <laughs> that, that you, what you do more of is you really try to work to um, cultivate the virtue in your life. So cultivate that virtue of fortitude by really um, looking for those ways that you can step into God's will for your life and glorify him and whatever he's asking you to do and do great things for other people, not for yourself, not for the accolades, not for more money or more power or whatever, but for other people look for opportunities to do that. That's so, and and I've, you know, we all raised our hand and nobody could see that, I guess. But, but um, the, the truth is when I just think even about some certain work things, and, and I would like to think I struggle mightily to, to get moving in the right direction. Still, things will happen at work. Stuff will come up. And, and like, if I, if I said it out loud, you'd be like, what up? <laughs> but it's true. I, boy, I just struggle. And I, we, we've talked about this. And, and I think it's one of the things that's great about this particular aspect of the show is I hope that folks understand that when we're bringing experts to this because we feel that same need, that same gap mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. And, and, and Mari, it, it, for me, it's a perfect segue. Um, what, when you talked about prudence, Craig, you said it informs all the virtues and drives all the virtues and, and it's, it's very, it's powerful in that way. I, it's, the vice that I want to talk about is like pride mm-hmm. and the, the offsetting virtue of humility because as prudence informs and, and directs all the good, mm-hmm. pride. My, I remember my father, he said a lot of smart things, but he said, you sh- of all the things to be afraid of and to avoid, avoid pride mm-hmm. because it can infect even a good work. So as prudence informs all and guides all, pride, lack of temperance destroys all. Mm. And and I, like you, Mari, I had an idea of temperance, like, okay, well, that's the Women's Temperance League. You know, <laughs> don't we, drink. we don't drink. <laughs> we don't do a lot of different things. But in reality, it's just guiding that behavior and humility is there. And and one of the things we, we like to talk about, and I think Dr. Sri includes it in his book, is uh, the litany of humility. Mm-hmm. And so if... if yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. So, but here's, so here's the unvarnished truth. I, I decided, okay, I have a problem. I, I'm prideful. I'm self-centered. I can't tell you how many times in the confessional, whatever I said came right back to the fact that it's self-centered. Mm-hmm. And like there's nothing, I can't filter that in any fashion. And so I, I started reading the litany of humility and I'm like, well, this is just anything but good. I mean, this is a <laughs> list of things that I deplore. Yes. Right? And I, I'm, I promise you, I prayed that for a year before I finally understood what, and it ties into what you said, Mari. The reason to pray the litany of humility isn't let's be despised, let's be calumniated. You know, give me all the garbage you can dump on me, Lord, because I'm all about being humble. Not at all. The litany of humility tempers us mm-hmm. to do. You said take fortitude is taking action. Mm-hmm. The litany of humility says, I'm, if you eliminate the fear of being uh, despised, you will not be afraid to take the right stand. Oh. You will not use the fortitude. Fortitude will drive you to do something and you won't have something in the way, that pr- some prideful thing in the way that keeps you from doing it. Cause, well, I can't do that. They'll all hate me. Oh, I can't awesome. do that. Cause what? So it took me a year of praying it the wrong way 
before I kind of got smacked and said, so look, I think we got to wrap up. Yeah, we're yeah. going to take our, take our break. Sorry. Yeah, so listeners, we're about to take a break. One thing just so do you know, if you go to our show notes, so if you go to thequestatlanta.com forward slash the family room, you can find our show notes and we will put the litany of humility on that. Perfect. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're coming right back to the family room on the quest. Please join us in a prayer to St. Michael, the archangel. Name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. The Quest presents The Truth From Youth with Paolo. Jesus has siblings, right? Actually, no. Some believe that Jesus' disciples were his brothers because he addressed them as such. In those days, someone called a brother was often a cousin or a close friend, like your brethren is a friend you would call a brother. In John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27, John says, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Why would Jesus feel the need to tell John that Mary is his mother now, if Mary was actually John's mother? Mary remained a virgin for her entire life, meaning that Jesus did not have any siblings. This is why we, as Catholics, refer to Mary as the Blessed Virgin, because she truly is one. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. When you stop to think about it, it was pretty bold for AM 1160 The Quest to present the teachings of the Catholic Church in a culture that is so worldly and material. But it reflects one of the key principles embraced by AM 1160 The Quest. We are committed to presenting quality, faithful Catholic teaching in season and out of season. If you've delayed supporting Atlanta Catholic Radio AM 1160 The Quest, now is the time that we need you. Call 678-688-4549 or show your support at thequestatlanta.com. Our Lord told St. Gertrude the Great that the following prayer will release a thousand souls from purgatory each time it is said. The prayer is extended to include living sinners as well. Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the Masses said throughout the world today, for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home and within my family. Amen. The Quest presents Mom Minutes with Cameron Frad from Among the Lilies. I was at Mass a while back and my child was about three years old and I was trying really hard to keep them in the pew and quiet. You know how it is, ladies, right? When you're wrestling with little kids. Well, he was about to lose it and he's like, I know, I know. And he starts getting restless and he starts, of course, it's a moment of like consecration and he starts yelling, I know it's Jesus. So my husband picks him up. Matt's running down the aisle and my three-year-old is yelling, it's really Jesus's body and blood out the door. I was mortified. I go to apologize to the priest after. I'm praying. I'm like, oh God. I'm like, I'm so sorry, Father. Please forgive me. And he's like, no, are you kidding? You're a little guy. I need to apologize to you. That was the Holy Spirit. I've been praying, Lord, how can I teach my parishioners to know that it's truly you present in the Eucharist? So you may think that you're dealing with just a crazy wild toddler, but it could be the Holy Spirit working in and through him. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. 
Listening to AM 1160 The Quest at home just got easier. Join The Quest with Alexa. Search for us on the Alexa app or say Alexa, enable the Quest skill. After enabling the skill, simply say, Alexa, open the Quest. Now joining the Quest, please join us in a parent's prayer to St. Monica. St. Monica, patron of Christian mothers, we entrust to your protection the children whose names you can read in our hearts. Pray for them that they may be granted strength to combat weakness, give them victory over temptations, guidance to resolve their doubts, and success in all their undertakings. May they enjoy health of mind and body, see beauty and worth in all created things, and serve the Lord with firm faith, joyful hope, and enduring love. Amen. The Quest presents A Daily Dose of Virtue with Jay Tremonti from Venture with Virtue. Do you find it easy to do the right thing? What about when no one's looking? Making good decisions and acting on them is what virtue is all about. But the pressure of stress, temptation, and vice constantly try to pull us away from doing the right thing. That's when we're at our weakest. Do you wish there was something to help you overcome these weaknesses, make a good decision, and do the right thing? Good news, there is. It's called accountability. Sometimes our desire to be virtuous and do good is not enough for us to actually do the right thing. Having a friend or family member hold us accountable can make all the difference. When we know we have to answer to someone else for our decisions and actions, we actually think more critically, make a good decision, and act in line with the person we want to be, even when we're weak. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Let us offer a prayer of thanksgiving for the priests serving in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. Eternal God, we thank you for the blessings of our priests who represent you on this earth. Make them more greatly aware of the grace that you pour out through them as they minister the sacraments and help them to fall more deeply in love with you after each and every Mass that is celebrated. Please strengthen them so that they may lovingly and courageously shepherd your flock. May we support the priests in the Diocese of Atlanta by offering them kind words, deeds, and assistance. We thank you, God, for the gift of your priests. Allow them to remain an example of your truth and a guide to all those he is entrusted to serve. We ask these things of you, our Lord, our eternal priest. Amen. We're back in the family room on AM 1160, The Quest. Before the break, we were talking about our first guest that we had in the family room back on September 8th. If you want to go back, you can listen to the podcast. Once again, if you go to it, the thequestatlanta.com forward slash the family room, you can go get right to our page and you'll be able to listen to our past podcast. So on September 8th, we had Dr. Edward Sree. And so we were just doing a deeper dive into his book and what we each learned. And I think that, um, guys, I think we each learned that we need to go to reconciliation. Is that what we <laughs> Yeah, we need a spiritual director on air. <laughs> That's, that well, would be know, awesome. I'm not sure I want to go to confession on You air. know, Craig is actually studying to be a spiritual director. So, uh, yeah. I, and I was going to mention, actually, you know, as we talk about these things, I think that uh, not everybody understands the value of having a spiritual director mm -hmm. that, you know, you can talk to and bring up these types of things. Mm -hmm. And somebody who is spiritually grounded can lead you to that. You know, I think... Um, Frankly, my wife kind of thought spiritual director is somewhat there to tell you what to do, mm. which I thought as well. And a spiritual director is there to basically guide, be guided by the Holy Spirit 
to then guide you and lead you back to God so God can tell you what he wants to do. And I think for me, that's what all of this has done. It's, it's Even though we're doing the show, it's God leading me in a lot of ways to things that he's like, hey, pal, I've been telling you this for years and you're not really following my direction. So why don't you listen to this expert and he'll tell you how to get it done. <laughs> it's true. These guys are good and they're, they're convicting. Yeah. These, yeah. These guys and these gals, we've got, we've had. Yeah, some, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Yankee. <laughs> I know. Is a unisex I know. Term. It is. I know. I grew up on Guam. We use guys for uh, everybody too. My cousins in the South would always get so, we're not guys. And we're like, no, but we say guys about everybody. Yes. All y'all. But you say y'all and it kind of <laughs> neuters everybody in some way, shape or form. Yep. There we go. So that was Dr. Um, Edward Sri, And next we wanted to talk about another one of our guests. So once again, if you want to go back and listen, you can go back to our October 20th episode, which was with Dr. Bob Schutz. And he's the founder of the John Paul II Healing um, Center. And he's got an amazing number of incredible books but the book we were talking about that day was the book be devoted restoring friendship passion and communion in your marriage since the family room is here to support and encourage marriages and families we thought that would be a great one for us and once again so as we dive a bit deeper and talk about what did we get out of it and what do we want to do or what have we done or what do we plan to do based on what dr shoots shared with us what what do you guys have to share what were some of your the highlights for you from our conversation with dr shoots well, one of the things goes back to what we kind of finished on the first half, but that particular conversation, Craig, for me is what you were talking about. Is I listened to Dr. Schutz and we even chatted a little bit after the formal interview. It was like, it pierced my heart. It was convicting. And I don't necessarily mean, boy, did I feel all warm and fuzzy when that was done. Um, there's, I was warm and it was like a hotness in my ears, <laughs> you know, how, like when, when you're, when you're busted, but, um, so I, uh, I, I, what I changed, what I, the, the thing that struck me is when he said, and I'm quoting him, his wife, Margie, to him, actually, he was con trying to convince her and himself that he was committed to the marriage. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't want your damn commitment. I want your devotion. And I was like, that was like a bolt out of the blue because, and I think I even said it in the thing, like, I'm all right, I'll just generalize for guys. I'm kind of like guys, like we hear a problem, we see a problem, solve it. Take the hill, take the hill, mm -hmm. be committed, get this done, right? Mm -hmm. It's the chicken and the pig for breakfast. The egg, the chicken is involved, the pig is committed. We're in this, right? <laughs> for bacon, yeah. for I, that was a terrible analogy. Anyway. <laughs> no, but you think about that. Do you, you think committed is a really good yes, thing? Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm committed because I'm so committed. Maybe I should be committed. But, um, <laughs> but, what what I realized, and and there were a lot of things going on at this too, and, and one of them was my spiritual director, and and he kept driving fact you, you control. It's all about control. Mm. It's all about control. So we talked about pride before we took our break, right? And and I you know and I can't explain this in great theological terms, but I'll tell you in my own life, a form of pride is my desire to be in control. I do a lot of great things at work. And there, and people say, oh, you do this is great. But, it, but I, when I peel the onion back, I'm like, mm. I was just trying to make sure I control that completely. <laughs> right? So fine at work, because there's certain expectation in my title in place. I should be controlling things. But for my spouse, maybe not so much. Mm, right. Interesting. And so when I'm trying to control, what does Barb do? How does she do it? You know, why does she do it? For me, it was, it was kind of backing away. And, and saying, do I really need to control this? And um, and that's cumbersome. 
it's really cumbersome. And I'll, so I'll just say one thing because, and then I'll be quiet, let y'all talk. But <laughs> We're enjoying this, John. But, Come on. But, so look in the control thing, husbands, guys, because we tend to be a little, I don't know. No, I don't think guys have a corner on wanting to control things. No, uh, I, think I was about, just about to raise my hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So once again, it's a unisex, uh, unisex opportunity, but um, husbands, particularly if your wives, if you're trying to back away, look, you, you got to communicate. You have to ask. And here's how that's going to go, guys. You're going to ask, how'd I do? What's wrong? What's wrong? And, and your wife is going to say nothing. Nothing means something. <laughs> you just haven't asked correctly. You haven't worked hard enough. So you got to ask again. Women, here's a hint. Keep telling us nothing. Keep sending us these encrypted messages. Nothing, dear. We're going to say, okay, nothing. And check out, right? <laughs> this, is, this is what, but I mean, that's just... That's the truth. And if I'm speaking badly, you know, I'll turn off my mic, but no, I think that's there. You know, I think what's so important about that, and I realize, so I've been married now, few, fewer years than you guys, but over, you know, but 23. Enough. So that's, that's enough. enough years, right? That I realize that, and my husband loves to say this. He says, George says all the time, men are simple creatures. You just got to tell us what you need, right? Just tell us. We don't need, we're very simple. And he is an amazing, if I give him any feedback, if I share something, he immediately changes his behavior. It's incredible. But I have to explain it. I can't just say nothing because he'll go, oh, okay, because he takes me at my word. See? Right? Yeah. But there's a huge example of humility. Oh, he's an amazing, humble man. Yeah, no, I don't have that humility. <laughs> as as, as, I, don't as I get that kind of feedback, the fists go up and I start pushing back. And um, yeah, no, I mean, you, you say, yeah, tell me that, but now you hurt me, mm. which I think is an interesting kind of segue to one of, one of the things that hit me really hard with Dr. Schutz is um, he brought garbage into the marriage and we've talked mm, about yeah. it on our own, on our yeah. own conversations, mm -hmm. John and Mari. Mm -hmm. But, and guess what? his wife brought garbage into the marriage and it's unresolved hurts that, okay, I'm not going to let myself get hurt again like that. So I'm going to react like this. And in his family's life, it was his dad walking away mm -hmm. that caused him to now I'm going to put up these walls or whatever it is. And I think that, you know, this and Melissa Foley, so to tie, tying it back to her. Um, Who was another interview we had. Right. Yep. yep. It's just amazing that you don't get taught this when you're getting into marriage. As, mm. you, as you go through marriage prep or whatever, you, you don't have those honest conversations like John just brought to the table that says, what's really going on? Mm -hmm. Let's not superficially talk about, you know, you're beautiful and, oh, yes, you know, uh, this is great. You know, you cook wonderfully. Um you know, look at this hurts me. Why? Because maybe I got kicked in the teeth when I was a kid over something. Mm -hmm. And the the pain of that makes me retract from mm -hmm. you telling me, hey, you know, can you make the bed? Mm -hmm. No, I can't make the bed because <laughs> and you get all angry over something. You're like, well, that was the most mundane comment anybody can make. But you made me feel a certain way based on my own damage. Yes. Not yes. on something you did. Yeah. Well, that's and making the bed, doing chores, trying to do things as guys, we're just going to go, OK, let's get some stuff done. Let's get some stuff done. And then what I had to learn is maybe that message is 
I'm not trying to get stuff done. Maybe I just don't think you're going to do it the way I would do it, or I don't think you can do it, or you're not organized enough to get this all together, which couldn't be farther from the truth. But it's, again, it's just it's just letting go of that stuff. So anyway. Well, one of the things, I want to go back for a second, because when you're talking about committed versus devoted, mm-hmm. what just came in my mind is you guys are great doers. You do, 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 do. So you serve, 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 right? And so that, in a way, is kind of committed. You're committed. You you do the chores. You wash the cars. You, you know, do whatever it is that you do. But when she said to him, I want you not just committed, I want you, I don't want you, just your commitment, I want your devotion, right? One of the things I thought was fascinating is he said, women are better at giving devotion. And so, like you said, men committed, take the hill. It's kind of the way it's your language. And he was saying men can learn from women what devotion looks like. And once again, just that, that beautiful complementarity that we have that God's given us in marriage where we can learn from each other. I can learn from George what it looks like to be committed. When I think of George being committed, it was he probably changed more dirty diapers years ago than I ever did. You know, (laughs) he was he was just all in that way. And devotion is is a bit different. And so what does a devotion look like? And so he can learn from me how I show love and I can learn from him how he shows love. And and it's the way that we become greater together. We become saints together. We've talked about that on the yeah. show before, right? We're trying to help each other get to heaven in some way. So That's yeah. surrendering of yourself. Yeah. You know, I want to hold on to this, that, and the other thing. And it's, it's interesting. And if this is a, uh, if this tie doesn't work, then you can toss this one out. But I was thinking the other day about, you know, we see so much in football games and everything John three sixteen right? God so loved the world. And we continue to hold on to that. You know, God so loved the world. And we all, oh, that's awesome. But do we often, I, this is the first time I've ever asked that question. Mm. Yeah, but how much do I love God? Mm. And it reminds me of Peter in the boat when Christ called him out on the water. His response was, I love this guy so much. I'm going to try to do the impossible. And when he started to look around him at the impossible, he couldn't do it anymore. And for me, it's like, okay, I've done all these things, but have I really done the impossible? Meaning, have I been willing to change myself, not give up who I am, mm-hmm. but open up, surrender those hurts, surrender those pains? Number one, because I love God, first and foremost. If I, if I don't love God above everything else, I can't be devoted to Kelly. Mm-hmm. I just can't. I have to be devoted there, too. And again, John, I keep pointing to John because he and I have had these conversations. As guys, we checked the box. I went to church. I said my rosary. I did all these things. But am I truly devoted to my faith? Mm-hmm. Is it changing me? And am I falling deeply in love with a God that loves me more than anything that wants my marriage to be the most amazing thing ever? And Dr. Schutz talked about the Trinitarian love and how our marriages represent that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and one of the things you just said, he, the, Dr. Sheets made it very clear. He said, you know, be devoted means be devoted to Jesus first. Right. Yes. Like you just said, because if you aren't devoted to him first and you aren't constantly receiving his love in all the richness that he's offering it to us, then you can't love your spouse and be devoted to your spouse the way you need to. And, you know, you just said something about, you know, check the box and do this and that. One of the things that really convicted me as I was listening back through the interview we had with him was he talked about, you know, he started going to daily mass and he took communion daily because he was taking in love incarnate every single day so that he was as full as possible of 
of Jesus to be able to offer that love. He was as full of love as possible. And I was thinking, you know, a, a habit that George and I started a few years ago was that we became um, guardians. So we're, we go to adoration. adoration yeah. yeah. Once a week together, but recently because we became empty nesters, I joined the choir and I had always said, I'm not going to go to be part of the choir until my kids leave for college. Cause I want to make sure I go to mass with the family. So I finally, just a couple months ago, joined the choir and um, God also had created, told me when the kids went away, you know, George is your community. Remember that he's your community. So it hit me between the eyes as I was re-listening to this. And I thought, you know what, maybe what I need to do is say, Hey honey, do you want to go to mass together once during the week, at least once during the week? Cause I'm not a daily communicant, but at least maybe I could start doing that with him and get more of Jesus together. The two of us in, you know, in daily mass, that might be kind of a neat thing for us to do. Great. That's awesome. And folks, if you're just joining us, you're listening to uh, 1160 AM, The Quest Atlanta. You're Atlantic Catholic Radio, and you're in the family room with uh, with us, and we're glad you're here. Um, that Just one thing on that, because my fear, you'll, you'll hear it over and over again, but my biggest fear is that somehow listeners are going to conclude that, you know, we've got Father, Son, and Holy Ghost here in the room, like somehow these three people are better, different, whatever, than the rest of the world. We are not. No, we're not. And so I will tell you, if I wish I could just split my head open and, and let you read it. Well, it would scare you to death, but, <laughs> so don't do that. But I want you to understand the sincerity with which we speak because the whole idea of going to communion, be like, oh, going to communion, these holy people mass. If you go to, to mass, I'm not telling you to do this, but if you went to mass every single day and were fundamentally comatose through most of the mass and received communion, you have received the body of Christ and every bit of grace that comes with it. You will be changed. No one encounters Christ and comes away unchanged. So, so I love that Preach you it. said that. Amen. Love that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, John just well, got that. <laughs> I mean, look at a chest. I, I mean, I can look at it at the end of the day. I think um, we've all come together with, with these folks. Uh, it's all about Christ. You know, the, the marriage is about being more Christ-like to each other. It's about being more sacrificial to each other. It's about loving each other more. Um, this isn't about us. It isn't about, you know, what I'm doing right. It, frankly, it's not even about what I'm doing wrong. It's about what am I willing to be open to God telling me I mm. need to do. Because, you know, you've said it, Mari, about your expectations of George mm -hmm. and how he should lead. And God said, here's how he leads very differently. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Schutz talked about how he expected his wife to pray with him. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. we hear a lot about Kelly's always saying we need to pray more together. And she's not wrong. But I also think we need to be dialed in enough to each other to listen to God where God says, hey, your spouse's prayer life is different than yours. I can be on the radio. I can give a talk. I can do a lot of things. Kelly doesn't want, she's not comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. Hers is getting the list three miles long of people we mm -hmm. need to be praying for and just letting them be them. Yeah. And I think that's a bigger challenge too. Again, looking at be devoted and how we all bring things into marriages, prudence, and anxiety about I want to control the situation because I want to, uh, I'm uncomfortable. So I want you to act like me because now it makes me comfortable ah. versus kind of saying, be you, I'm going to be me. Yes, what you do makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but that's God telling me, hey, Craig, there's something in your life you may need to be bringing to me. 
in prayer, in um, spiritual direction that I want to deal with. Mm -hmm. Why are you anxious or why are you bothered by something like this? Yeah, that's great. You, <laughs> no, sorry, Jim. I, no, no, no. So, what, what, so in business, we are taught to envision the end, the goal, and, and from that end, desired end state, build your plan back, right? So um, when I, I, didn't, I didn't make the connection until I listened to Dr. Um, Dr. Schutz when he said it's impossible to have the kind of relationship you need if Christ is not at the center of that. And in, in, in my own life, in so many situations, we make the ends, the end subordinate to the means. In other words, mm -hmm. we say, okay, I'm going to be a good husband. And, and then we do what we want to do and say, dear Lord, please come on in here and help me be a better husband versus I want to have Christ in the center of this relationship. And then I will talk about what I do as a husband. It, and again, people who are listening are like, well, wow, John, good for you. But we've known that for a long time. But <laughs> it, that to me, that was another thing that just made me back up and say, OK, how do I think about what I'm getting ready to do? And is my am I talking about am I talking about um, the end or am I talking about the means? Hmm. That's great. And he, he did he did a great job of doing, like you just said, kind of taking what we thought of as simple concepts and making them so rich that we had to stop and think, OK, how can I apply that to my life or how do I see my relationship in a different way? One of the other simple things that he took that I really loved in that conversation with him as he took the Our Father, and, oh, right. right? You know, and we say the Our Father, we're taught, if you're Catholic, you're taught, well, actually, I guess our, our brothers and sisters who are not Catholic, they're taught it oftentimes too. But we're taught the Our Father very young. And so we can say it really fast. And um, we say it kind of like a second ago when you said, Craig, you know, or actually, John, you said it, you're kind of comatose through mass, right? Mm -hmm. You can say it really fast. I remember uh, this is getting off topic just a second, but I remember get, trying to get my mother-in-law when my kids were really little to, I wanted her to teach them to do the rosary. Well, she had been saying the rosary for so many years that she said it so fast that they just, <laughs> they just looked at her like deer in headlights. It's, it's the Latin, our father. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Anyway, so, but he took the, our father and he broke it down in that conversation about how you could say it as a couple and you could spend, oh my gosh, 20, 30 minutes. And he said that he and Margie, when she was still living, they would do that in the mornings oftentimes together as they would start their day with their father. And I'm going to try to do a little bit of it just as a teaser for what he talked about. But at the very beginning, you know, our father who art in heaven and just stopping for a second and just praising God for who he is and who he is to you and what he's done for you. And, you know, a lot of times I like to also think about kind of the different words for God. You know, he's my provider right now. He is my peace. He is my strength. He is my rock. He's whatever it is I need. So as a couple, what is it he to, he, to you as a couple? Um, hallowed be thy name you are so holy, you know, what about his holiness really blesses you? And can you honor with that? Um, <clears throat> thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And just talking about how do you want him to have his will done in your life? What is it you want to do? And you just kind of go through every step of the, our father and stop and really break it open. What does that mean for us? When we say that just provide us with our daily bread, 
do we need to let go of some things where we're really striving to provide for ourselves and not relying on his goodness and his provision? Just it'd be, it's so cool to think about how you could take that prayer that we all know so well that we say so automatically and turn it into a conversation between you and your spouse and God and um, honor him and glorify him. And yet at the same time, maybe have some deeper wisdom and insight into things he might be trying to put into your hearts um, as a couple and into your conversation. I thought that was so brilliant and profound. And, it, and the good news is like, you can pray a prayer that both of you know. Mm-hmm. And if neither one of you is comfortable with um, spontaneous prayer, then pray the Our Father. Yeah. But pray it with intention, right? So yeah. you don't, I thought that was brilliant. Also. There, there's that ugly word again, intentionality. Yeah. Yes. Instead of just flying by the seat of your pants, like I'm known to do, being intentional <laughs> about what we're doing. I think also think it's interesting. And, and again, you know, Be Devoted and, and Dr. Shree's book, a lot of it ties, we talk about marriage, but, you know, as a single person, you can still be devoted. Mm-hmm. Having really godly relationships out there, having, you know, whether it's, you know, healing between family members, mother, daughter, sister, brother, whatever it is, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, you can apply these same principles in a lot of ways to just general relationships, you know, accepting everybody for who they are, kind of understanding where God has me compared to this person. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to the whole idea of, I don't know the future. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what's coming down the pike and I can plan all I want. You know, we all laugh about, well, tell God your plans and watch him laugh. <laughs> watch and it. at the same time, <laughs> I was going to be, I was going to be a professional basketball player I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be a lawyer. I was going to be all these things. And here I got into a profession in real estate that I never planned on, but God had it in the plan. Here I am sitting with you two doing a beautiful radio show. I never planned on doing it. I didn't yeah. study it. I didn't do anything other than had an idea, showed up, and God put two other people in my life that brought it together. And I just think that it's it's all of this has to do with, you know, don't be anxious, don't fight for these things that you always want. Surrender, mm-hmm. give everything you have in the relationships in your life and stop running for me. Stop running around doing things, checking the box, being, not doing is mm-hmm. what we heard all as well. Mm-hmm. Being and not doing is the most important thing and give the best I have right now at this moment to John and Mari here, to my wife when I get home, to my kids when I get home. It's all about love. Yeah. It's all about, have I really loved? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I love too about that is that in order for us to be able to do that, you know, he was very practical about the fact that we want to be able to do that. But sometimes, and you guys both said it earlier, we bring into our marriages, into our families, this baggage, we bring in the hurts that we have, et cetera. And one of the the practical things that Dr. Schutz offers in his book too, that I thought was so fantastic was these prayers, you know, prayer is so very powerful. He brought in prayers for healing, different types of prayers for healing, prayers for fostering unity, for getting rid of healthy, uh, unhealthy soul ties or unhealthy attachments. And so he really gave us a lot of resources for ways that we could heal, ways we could pray together, ways that we could pray for each other. And um, I found that to be really helpful because we all do want to be able to do what you just said, uh, Craig, we want to be able to do what you said. We want to be we want to be able to love to that degree. We want to be able to offer the best of ourselves. And yet sometimes we're being held back because we have these wounds or, or these sins or whatever it might be. So these are some other 
in addition to the, the wonderful sacraments we have, these are some other tools that we have. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, go get the book. Be devoted. Yeah. Be devoted by Bob Schutz. And once again, you will find all of that information on our website. Go to thequestatlanta.com forward slash the family room. And in our show notes, you'll see how and where to get some of this and all this great information. So listeners, we are so thankful that you are with us today, that you were able to join us here in the family room. And please be with us again next week here where we offer hope, encouragement, wisdom for families. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.